0: Welcome to the KICC Malawi podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged with the message today. That you are the King of glory in this place. You are the King of glory in our lives. And we pray, O God, this morning, as we look into your words, that you speak to each and every heart in this place, every heart watching or listening later We pray, O God, that your word, which is life, will breathe life into our lives, O God, into our mortal bodies, according to Romans chapter 8, verse eleven. God, that everyone will say, I have met with God, and it was good that I went into the house of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and declare, and all God's will say, Amen and Amen may take your seats thank you very much worship team May the lord continue to bless all the work that you put into this ministry amen welcome to church hallelujah and i keep saying church is a safe place hallelujah because the lord is here and his people are here if you don't feel safe talk to me afterwards We need to sort some things. But church, the house of the Lord, is safe space. Amen. Those of you who are worshiping with us for the very first time, I want to give you a special welcome. But at at the very end, I will also want to meet with you. And also welcome to our online uh, audience. We pray that the, the Lord is going to minister to you. And also even those who are going to listen to us on the podcast later on. We just want to thank God. And uh, welcome back to the second part and last part in this series of Minding Your Mind. Hallelujah. It's about minding your mind. I hope you didn't go home walking. If you you remember from last week. I hope you're not one of those geese that went home walking after they had learned to fly. (laughs) Because... You know, here's the interesting thing. Everybody has a default. Everybody has a default. You know what a default is? Whatever happens to your life, however it happens, whenever it happens, everybody has a default. At the end of every day, I have a default. I've shared with you this before. That At the end of the day, my default is just to be alone. Give me about 20 to 30 minutes after I come home. Just just let me be don't don't tell me who came when I was away don't just, just don't just leave me alone in those thirty minutes i I go into what I call my nothing box and I think about nothing i'll I'll read something I'll lie down there i'll just I, and i I just somehow recharge by being alone. that's my default, okay. And usually wives mess it up because they see you quiet and they come to you and they say, what's wrong? Nothing. We, what are you doing? Nothing. What are you thinking? Nothing. It's true. We are thinking about nothing. Those of us whose default is to just be alone and recharge. It, it's really true. And, and some, some people are on the opposite end of the spectrum. Even after hard days of work, the, the way they recharge is to be with other people. And talk and, and interact. But they, they recharge. You know, everybody has got a a default. Some people just take a walk and some, like the kids we talked about last week, walk home. And I'm hoping that after last Sunday's sermon, you are not walking home. But instead, you are working on minding your mind, on protecting your mind, giving your mind what it needs to have so that you can fly and keep flying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How high you fly depends on how much of your mind you renew from the word of God. You've probably heard it said that uh, birds of a feather flock together. Or let me do an extension to that that I borrowed somewhere. So you choose who you fly with and how high you fly. Because the company you keep also affects your mind. So let's do a, a quick recap you know, I said that if we are going to take up the Lord on his word, and I hope we are, that this year is the year of taking over. Then we have got to change our thinking or adjust our thinking. People who take over are not taking over from something that doesn't belong to anybody. They, they, are, change, they are taking over from people who think, and rightfully so most of the times, that they own what they have. That what God has told you to take over belongs to somebody. They just don't know yet that God has changed the title did, and has given it over to you. So they won't go easy. They'll die fighting. So what kind of mindset should we have if we're going to be those who are more than conquerors in our marriages? And it was hurtful. I feel hurt. It's because you've processed it in your mind. Okay. Oh, that party was great. It's because you have, you have run through the memories of what the party was like and everything, and, and you say, yes, it was great. So the mind feels, the mind perceives. We talked about perceptions, how perceptions change. And if you don't have a perception of, or a perspective of a particular thing, it's very easy for you to criticize. But that's because your mind has never seen that side of the coin. Amen i give you an example about children, how you don't say, oh, so-so's children are indisciplined. So-so's children are troublesome. You wait until you get a child. There's there's a a phase in education psychology, uh, developmental psychology, that they call the terrible tools. Between zero and two, kids are terrible. That's why they are called terrible tools. But it's a developmental stage and it passes. And you can easily judge a parent and say they don't discipline their children. You wait. Have children. I'll give you my phone number. You'll call me and say, Pastor, you said it was, it, what you said was true. But usually we say it because we don't have the perspective of the parents. So it's easy to criticize. It's easy to say you're not doing things well. In the mind, we think, in the mind, we think, we saw that Joseph, when he knew that Mary was pregnant and he was not responsible and she was pinning it on God, he thought about it and he said, I will divorce her quietly. In the mind is where you process everything. Your mind wills. It's where the decisions are made. And in your mind, it's where you reason. And we, we looked at the other question to say, why is your mind important? Why is your mind important? Because the, the, the mind is a powerhouse that the Lord wants to use for his glory. Okay? You receive Jesus Christ. You are a Christian. Don't retire your mind. You're supposed to use it to think. And most people don't want to think because thinking is hard work. But it's free. And the results are very desirable. Amen. So it's an asset that most of us utilize, underutilize at the table called Average. There's more to your mind than you realize. God requires that you use your mind in loving him, in being in a relationship with him. Use your mind in your love relationship with God. And God wants us to use our minds because we are his ambassadors. We are his representation. Because our conversations, everything happens in the mind. And the mind is a powerful tool for unity. If you don't have one mind, when you look at the scripture, it talks about having one mind. It's difficult to do anything together. It's really difficult. You really have to have one mind. If you just agree and say, we are going to do this. I don't know how it happens, but it happens. God just begins to move things and things begin to happen. Because you have decided you are going to have one mind. and we also saw that the mind imagines things according to Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 the bible says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that it has worked that is at work within us the mind imagines and god is expecting us to imagine things according to his glory so that he can do exceedingly more than than all that, that we can imagine Pastor likes to say, whatever you imagine, God can exceed. You know, one of the things I've been thinking about is this whole issue of power. Blackouts and everything. And I've been going online looking at alternative energies. I'm just very fascinated by the different kinds of um, um, solutions that are coming up in alternative energy. It's amazing what somebody will think about. With a resource that you've always had. But now because you've got a problem, their mind went into full gear and they came up with solutions. And they are, they are setting up companies and making a difference in people's lives. We're not different. They just sat down and imagined and say, what can I do to help people have electricity? What can I do to have different kinds of batteries? Now electric cars are coming. They are coming. I think the only company that hasn't jumped on board, one of the best the best known companies is Mercedes-Benz, but all the others, the VWs and all that, they are going the electric route. Now, if you're smart and you want to cash in on that, you better start asking yourself where are these cars going to be charged in Malawi? My blackout where are where are these cars going to be charged in Malawi? Can you can you come up with a solution? So the mind can imagine. You can bring about solutions that people need because you imagined it, you brought it before the Lord, and he blessed it, and there you go. Amen? We also looked at what happens to your mind when you are born again, and this is where we ended. What happens to your mind when you are born again? And we looked at the whole picture to say when you are born again, when you accept Christ as Savior and Lord, Uh, we looked at the three aspects of a person's life. Number one, God's spirit made us alive again in our spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Because we somehow were dead to sin, uh, dead to God because of sin. And when we accept Christ, his spirit makes our spirit alive to him. So all of a sudden, we're able to tune in into godly things. Before that, if anyone said, let's go and pray, you'd be saying, I'll be here. You pray for us. Because it didn't make sense to you. But now your spirit is alive. And all of a sudden, being connected to God is valuable to you. So your spirit becomes alive. And we are encouraged to continue being filled in the spirit. We see this Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 talks talks about walking in the spirit. Literally, walk in step with the spirit of God. As a child of God, you have no excuse to, to go after the gratifications of the flesh because we're supposed to be led by the spirit of God. There's no justification. There's no excuse. Everything else you say is an excuse. The expectation is you have the spirit of God. You should be feel the spirit of God and you, you should walk by the spirit of God. If he says turn left, you turn left. Don't go right. It is that simple. So our spirits are activated. Our bodies remain the same. That's the other thing we talked about. Nothing changed, although we were encouraged to take care of it because it is now the temple of the Spirit of God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20. It says, you, your body is no longer your own because you have Christ in your life. When you receive Jesus Christ, he does not come to be a resident. He becomes the president in your life. He runs the show. And most of us don't want him to do that because we think he's going to spoil the party. But here's the ironic thing. The more you obey the ruling of Christ in your life, the more satisfied you're going to become. The more at peace you're going to become. The old song captured it very well. It says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And I keep saying, there are no happy, disobedient Christians. You are miserable. So, the the expectation God has on us, as far as this body is concerned, which has not been born again. It will change when we're translated into glory. But as for now, this is the same body that I had when I received Christ. Nothing changed. Same scars, same glasses. I still wear glasses up to date. I used to wear glasses before I knew Christ. Amen? Maybe some some things change, but yeah, they're expected to change. Like I was half my size. But it's the same body, same habits. And, And we are told that we need to take care of it because it is the temple of the Spirit of God. So there are some things which may be okay to other people, but for you, they are not okay because you have the spirit of God. I've had a discussion about a movie that came out, uh, the, the latest movie that, uh, that came out from this franchise. And, and, and we did the, I, I did the reviews. I, I like doing that. I, do, I did the reviews and all that. And I watched it and I was like, this is a waste of time. Nobody should be watching this. They are promoting this, they are promoting that, they're promoting that, they're promoting You you can't spend time watching that. Those kind of things. And whatever sequels are going to come for me, I have. I'm not going to put all that kind of thinking into my head. I'm not telling you the time. But just be vigilant. Amen. Don't just watch because it has come your way. There are some things your body does not need. There are some places you, you will not go because you are you have the spirit of God. There are some associations you will not belong to because you, you are the temple of the spirit of God. In fact, there are some places you go and people say, Hey, you are here. How? the, 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 the ones who don't know the Lord will ask you, they will challenge you and say, How come you're here? Because they know we, we are different. So so don't compromise. You dress a certain way. And I promised I would preach on the dressing. Okay? Yeah, I did. Just start at Genesis 3. God did some skins to cover their nakedness. Start there. But everything about dressing these days is about uncovering. That's what is Sexy. Right? It's amazing how we are abusing this word. You buy a new car, you meet somebody and say, oh, this is a new car. Yeah, it's sexy. Huh? How? It's a machine. So take care of your bodies, the temple of the spirit of God. And your mind, we said your mind is also alive to God, but you have to keep renewing it. That's what we saw in the scriptures. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us those things. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 20 all the way to 24 and then we looked at parts of Psalm 1 that you don't take counsel from certain people because it is wicked counsel. You don't keep company with certain people because it's the company of sinners. You don't even stand. You don't even take an intermission. You don't stand there because it's it's against God. And the expectation is that we will delight in the law of the Lord. And the Bible promises us that when we do that, whatever you put your hand to, whatever you do, it will prosper. Anybody who doesn't want to prosper? The mind, statistics tells us Hears 19 negatives before it hears one positive. So you remember that that, that, that example we were given. That somebody keeps hearing from the one they love. They are committed to. They keep hearing you are ugly, you are ugly, you are ugly. It will take 19 you are uglies before you hear somebody say you are beautiful. So what is happening to your mind? You believe more of what you hear than what you hear less. So no matter how immaculately dressed you are, because it's been drummed in your head 19 times that you're ugly and you come to church and we say, whoa, that suit is really looking good on you. You don't believe it because it's been impressed upon your mind that you, you're, you're ugly. is just how it works. So, the Bible's answer is that we should continue to renew our minds every day. Because if the first thing you put in your mind is the word of God, there are some things you can let go. There are some things you say, they don't know what they're doing. Amen. Amen. Wake up one morning, you have a great time in prayer, you leave home, you're going into town... It has happened to me. You make a mistake while driving. By God's grace, you don't have an accident. And the other driver calls you a name. He doesn't know about pastor of KICCO. He doesn't. He just calls you a name. And you just go, praise God, everybody's all right. The accident didn't happen. And you keep going away. But if it was in the days of yesteryear, you finish. Amen? Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Take time in the word of God and renew your mind. So I did promise that we're going to look at what the enemy does with the mind. And then also we're going to look at how do we mind our mind, the practical aspects of it. That's what we're going to look at today. Amen? But just keep that in mind. That... that that our spirits are alive in Christ. Our, our minds continue to be renewed by the word of God. Amen? And, and, and you, the more of the word of God you put into your life, the more your life begins to change. It's what somebody called, you, you get effortless change. Because the word of God in our lives is the sword of the spirit. And the spirit knows when to use what. It, it's almost effortless somehow without realizing it becomes like second nature but you have to keep you have to keep at it it's like food you have to eat every day you have to eat every day you have to eat every day before you know it if you're eating in a particular way after a while your body transforms did you know you can change your body with just the way you eat just just the way you eat some of us have got very responsive bodies if i eat in a particular way give me two weeks these these clothes will be tight if I eat in a particular way, give me one month. These clothes will fit again. And, and so that's how we need to look at the word of God and say, this is food. This is honey. This, this will change me. Lord, what do you want me to do today? What should I change? What, what example should I follow? And so it's all in here. Whatever God has told you to take over, it may be in your finances, it may be in the ministry God has given you, it may be at work, it may be your relationship with your your children or with your parents, whatever it is, I want to challenge you, it's here in this book. If you don't spend time in this book, it's a mess. That's just it. This book is very complete. This book will tell you how to treat your husband. Properly. Because there are others in here who didn't treat their husband properly too. That's what I like about the Bible. It tells us both sides. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. Amen? It tells us, and and clearly, if you choose today, life, between life and death, and God recommends life, sinful man still goes to choose death. So we need to be aware of these things. Today, we are going to look at, first of all, what the enemy does with the mind. And when I'm talking about the enemy, I'm talking about Satan. The accuser of the brethren. And a little backstory: Satan used to be God's angel. One of God's um, uh, prominent angels. Uh, according to some chapters in the Bible, we are told that he was, uh, he was most likely one of the worship leaders. Or the worship leader. We don't know for sure. Uh, Bible interpretation scholars are still at it. But the one thing we do know is that Satan knows what being in the presence of God is like. And even in scripture, when you come to the book of Job, as you find that he still has access to God. So he knows where you and I are going. And he doesn't like it. And he wants to spoil it for us. We'll see later on. The book of Genesis chapter 3. I want us to read from verse 1 to verse 7. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Turn or tap in your Bibles, whichever you're using. But it's Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But, the, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. When the eyes, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig, tree, fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They made clothes. To what? To cover. Not all the uncovering we are seeing. But I digress. And another interesting thing. Did you notice that when she she took some of the fruit and ate it, she gave some of it to her husband? So where was Adam when all this was happening? He was there. Why didn't he protect her? In authentic manhood, we say that authentic men reject passivity. They don't stay passive. Adam was supposed to step up and say, conversation is over. We, We have things to do. Amen? And men in our homes, in our families, there are some things we just need to step up and say this is not happening because it's against the will of the Lord. Full stop. Take leadership. Take leadership. If she disobeys, that's that's for God to deal with. If she says, me, ah, women of today, right, that's for God to deal with. You say, but as for me, who is answerable to God? We're not going down this road. Adam was passive, which is very common these days. Men are passive in especially raising the children, leading as priests in the home. Very passive. No wonder the devil is having a heyday in our families. Take over. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Point number one. What does the enemy do with the the mind? He casts doubt on God's character and his word. He casts doubt on God's character and his word. We'll come to that. Notice the first thing is that the Bible describes the serpent as more crafty. What is to be crafty? To be crafty is to be very subtle. You're very under the radar. You are shrewd. You are deceptive. You're smart about it. He may be evil, but he's smart. The devil will be patient in as far as pursuing you is concerned. We are told in the book of Luke and Matthew that I think, no, it's the book of Matthew, where after Jesus was tempted by the devil, there's a line at the end that I had always missed, but now that I got it, it it, it keeps me awake. The Bible says that after the devil had finished tempting Jesus Christ, he went away until an opportune time, which means he always has you on the radar. He was always checking, "Where where can I come back? And he did have such a time. When, when he went through Peter and said, no, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. That was an opportune time. In the garden of Gethsemane, we meet him. Opportune time. So you're fighting a full-time devil. You can't go on vacation in your walk with Christ. You know, sometimes when we pray and we're fighting things in our lives, we're fighting, you feel like, God, if I could only have just one week. just You don't. Until we get to glory, let's keep fighting. That's why it's important also to pray together because you encourage each other. You get more, more encouragement. You get more fuel to keep going at the battle. And that's why they tell, they tell us in the book of Hebrews not to forsake the meeting together. Unless you have a really good reason, come to church. Because you get charged, you get recharged. You can't just wake up one day and say, today I'm not going to church. You haven't seen the value of being with God's people. Or it will just be Jesus and me, I'll not go to church. Look, you cannot just come to my house because you want to meet me and you don't care about my wife. Something wrong with that picture. You can't just go for Jesus and not be with his wife, the church. Something wrong with that picture. Those who have ears... But the enemy was crafty, so he comes in verse one. He casts doubt on God's character and His word. Look at the way he begins the conversation. He says, "Did God really say?" You see what is happening? Did God really say? What is doing? He's shaking the foundations. He's appealing to the mind. Did God really say you must eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden? And this question continues even up to this day. Did God really say that marriage is between one man and one woman? Did God really say? That church is important. Did God really say that you could not have A different sexual orientation. Did God really say that? Did he say that polygamy is sin? Look at Abraham. Look at Jacob. Did, Did God really say that polygamy is sin? Did God really say it's still happening even up to now? So he's crafty. He appeals to the mind. He knocks at the foundation. He keeps hitting at the foundation. And unfortunately... There was, a, there was a, a, a man of God who used to teach us back in our, in our teen days. He used to say, Everyone, anyone who negotiates with the devil is a victim. And that's what Eve did. She started talking with him. She engaged him. Even though the question he had asked was a direct, it was character assassination of God and his word. She should not have tolerated that. Adam. He was there. He should not have tolerated that. He should simply say, we're not having this discussion. There are some things you simply say, we're not having this discussion. End of story. You don't need to explain anything. There comes a time in life when you, you don't even have to defend yourself. Because you know whom you have believed in. You don't have to. But she engaged him. And that's, we have victims. In verse 4, look at what happens. He says, after Eve had um, explained to him what God had said, he says, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. So after he has thrown the hook and say, did God really say, whatever it is, that is in your case, did did God really say you should not be listening to secular music? Whatever you're going to answer, however you're going to answer that question, the devil knows, aha, the bait has worked. So he comes down hard, he doubles down and concretizes it. So somebody... I was somewhere doing a transaction. And uh, after I did the transaction, the attendant uh, looked at, at, at our account and he says, hey, but you have a lot of money for fuel, right? I said, yeah. Don't you want the money? I said, no, I travel a lot. I need the fuel. Those of you who know what I've said, what happens. So when you have the fuel card, people do what they call kusungunua where you get money, and there's a whole... I don't understand how it is. It's that evil. I don't understand how it is. But you get money, and you don't even put in the fuel, and the whole thing happens. So I, to- I told the attendant, I said, no, I need the fuel. I was given the card for the fuel, not for me to cash out money. Then I left. If I would have engaged this attendant, they would say, ah, this the way it's done these days, they come with something to... Validate what it is they're offering you, even though it is wrong. Nah, God, God didn't really mean you die. He just meant you will be like him. They'll validate it, and he knows very well that you are hooked. And then he he finalizes it with what I call the critical deadly trio. The six. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and ate it. So let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. The Bible is telling us about the relationship between us and the world. Verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. You see what Eve did? What happened to Eve? The enemy brought the... The, the last of the eyes. She saw that the fruit was good for food. It was pleasing for the eye. To the eye. It looked good. It was nice to have. What you have and, and what you can achieve. And for gaining wisdom. And all these things came in. There's the cravings of sinful man. The lust of the eyes. And the boasting of what you have. And what you have what, what you've done. What you have achieved. Put another way. You come... With the temptations of power, sex, and money. Always there are those three. You look at the temptation that he gave Jesus. Same things. It's just the same old lie with a brand new face every time. That's what he does. So I want you to be very careful. All these things that are coming in. And, and, and looking good. I want you to have a critical eye and say, Lord, give me discernment to note whether this is the craftiness of the enemy who is casting doubt on your character and your word. Yesterday, we were somewhere and we realized that, you know, when we were young, somebody financed these books that needed to go into secondary schools. Some of us grew up in the city, so we thought, ah, these were only city things. But there was, there, was, there was a brother in there who said, you know, I grew up in the village. These books got to us, and they are not nice books. They are not books we can recommend to our children these days. But while the books came, it didn't matter the content, and all the teachers did was to say, you need to read to improve your English. No matter what the content is. And planted in us things that most of us have struggled for years to get rid of. Save for the grace of God. So may the Lord give us discernment to be able to tell this is the tactic of the enemy. Wanting to cast doubt on the nature, the character of God. That's the first thing he does. He does cast doubt on the character of the word of God and his his person. Number two, he is... An accuser. And he deceives. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12 verse 11. Today I want you to know you will turn to your Bible like nobody's business. But I, we need to see these things. Amen. Because sometimes when you just quote and you don't see it it's in your Bible. It's not the same effect. So Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says that they, the saints, overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word Sorry, uh, that should be verse 10. Sorry, we should begin in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our Lord and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. This is the one whom they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I want you to notice that one of the things that the evil one does to the people of God is to accuse them before God and he's in sentence. He doesn't stop. Relentlessly continues to accuse you before God. Now, Now, I don't know if you've ever been accused of anything. But it's a hard place to be in, especially when you don't have evidence. For your innocence. It's hard. A friend of mine and I, we, we got on a bus from uh, secondary school then. We were going to Blantyre and we got on a bus. But, that, but, but back in those days, there was a bus service called Jakumus. And we got on those bus and we got to Blantyre. And uh, as we we're going past Chemusa, somebody on the outside threw a packet of chibukus into the bus. And that pack, <laughs> we got wet. Let me just be very short. We got wet with Chibuku, okay? So here, two teenagers going home after school, end of term, and we got a portion of that Chibuku. We get to Blantyre uh, Post Office. I remember that's where the bus used to stop. We got to Blantyre Post Office. We got off before it went to the bus depot. And uh, we got to a phone booth. If you don't know what a phone booth is, May God bless you. But we go to a phone booth. There were no cell phones back in those days. We, I called my dad and said, Dad, we are at Blanty Post Office. Come and get us. So he left and he came. The moment we got into the car, he had a question for us. Where have you been and what were you doing? Oh, Dad, we were in the bus. We were at school. We got on a bus. We are here. He says, don't think I'm stupid. And he went to town on us. I tell you, Blanta and Limbe is such a short distance, but on that day, it was such a long distance. And we got home and he handed over the issue to my mother. It it just got worse. And we tried to explain to say, No, you know, this is what happened, and you can even call the bus, and they weren't having it. And I got grounded that holiday. It was terrible. I had no evidence. Not even the word of my friend was good enough. And that's what the devil wants to do in your life. He wants to keep you busy defending yourself. He wants to keep you busy handling all these accusations. And then what happens is it it removes your focus from where you're supposed to be. But God has solved that because Jesus Christ is the one who stands in that court of heaven and speaks in our behalf. And says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know these ones were were idolatrous. I know these ones were adulterous. I know these ones were thieves, but 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 I saved them. They accepted me, and it's all right. Amen. amen, amen, amen. And the devil continues to accuse. Why does he do such a, have give such an assault on our mind? Because it's um, it's all about manipulation. It's all about control. If you can accuse somebody, or if you have something." You have a hold on somebody. You can control them any way you want. And that's, that's wickedness. The devil does not have a good plan for anybody. He wants, to be, he wants us to be in the line of fire for God's wrath. According to Ephesians chapter 2. The devil, listen, the devil does not have a good plan for anybody. Whether you are a Christian or not. The devil does not love unbelievers in Christ. You understand? (laughs) He doesn't. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. I just want to give you a glimpse of why your mind is important and why the devil keeps coming at it, keeps coming at it. If you're busy handling accusations all the time, you don't have time to pursue God. If you're busy handling accusations all the time, you don't have time to build the wall in like, like Nehemiah had. So you've got to learn sometimes to say, when the, when the devil has got an issue and he sends his, his Tobias and Sanballats and all the others, you've got to learn to say, I'm not coming there. I'm carrying out a, an important work. You don't have to answer every accusation. Amen? Let it go. You don't have to answer everything. So Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress suppress the, the, the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuses. So I want you to get the picture. Here's the picture. God's wrath is coming on account of some things that humans do. Okay. It's coming. So what the devil wants to do is to mess with your mind so that you end up doing those things and you're in the line of fire of God's wrath. The, the devil's plan is ingenious. It's evil, but it's ingenious. I mean, give it to it. It's, it's a great plan. But that's, that's what he wants. He doesn't want you to be with God. He doesn't like it. He hates it with a passion. So verse 21 He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking, where does thinking happen? In the mind. He says that their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So if if the evil one can just get your mind to be futile, what is to be futile? It means you are incapable of producing any result. You are ineffective. You are not successful. Go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse verse 7 and 8. God wants us to succeed. In fact, everything God created, he he wants it to succeed. God creates birds to fly. What do they do? They fly. Fish to swim. What do the fish do? They swim. Success is the will of God for everybody and everything. Satan is just the other way around. So if he can attack your mind and get you to think differently, he can, he, he, not to think differently, to, to, to destroy your mind, to make you ineffective, to make you uh, to have a dark mind. You know, there are people who have dark minds. They do things you just wouldn't believe was capable that people do. There was a guy in the U.S. not so long ago. All he needed for him to murder somebody was if you looked at him. If you looked at him, he was like, That's it. You're going. That's it. That's a dark mind. And you think, oh, that's the US. That's far away. You come to Malawi. We have stories of people with dark minds. Don't even want to glorify them with examples, but you know what I'm talking about. And it all starts in their thinking. A young man was was, was doing a, a research into uh, homosexuality and Christianity, and so on, and uh, came to me and said, You know what? I came across a book called The Gay Christian. The Gay Christian. So we were talking around it. And I was saying, Those two words shouldn't be in the same s- sentence. Unless gay means what it originally meant, which means to be happy, by the way. But certain is a mustard perversion. So gay means what it means now. You cannot be a gay Christian if 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is true. Hello? You can come to the Lord, a gay person, but you cannot remain gay if what scripture tells us is true. And it is. It says there were some of you who were idolaters. You were are, you adulterers. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were homosexual offenders. Such were some of you, which means it's very possible by the grace of God for, for your life to be transformed. Amen? But what, what the, de- the, the agenda the, the, the enemy has been pushing is that you can be this and remain this and still be a Christian. Why is he doing that? Because he can get our minds to be futile before God. And you're in the line of fire for God's wrath. We, we could go into all sorts of examples. We could talk about the feminist movement. We can talk about uh, a lot of things. But that's the pattern. Okay? Let's keep going. Verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, did you hear about the story of, of the woman who married her dog? She was in love with her dog. She decided to marry. Who does that? It's only somebody whose mind has been corrupted. You understand why now the devil is so bent on attacking our minds, accusing our minds time after time after time after time. And why we need to be renewing our minds time after time after time after time. He's a full time devil. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity and degrading of their bodies with one another. Anyone who is into sexual impurity and they're degrading their body with one another, these ones who exchange the truth of God for a lie, worshiping and serving, creating things rather than the creator, who is forever praised. Amen. So here's the thing. Anyone you see living this kind of life, and you can go to the book of Galatians for that list, you, you better be sure of one thing. Their minds, they have lost the battle. They have exchanged the truth of God, God for a lie. Amen? And so for years, they have been, wa- they have been working on it. For years, introducing TV programs... And 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 curriculums in the schools preparing us for what we have now. The LGBT they didn't start last year. It's been on for years. And because we like sitcoms, oh, I just want to know what is happening in this in this story. And so and they are bringing in these agendas. They keep hitting at your mind. They keep before you know it, they are saying we we are ordaining gay pastors. You see how it works. Because they exchanged the truth of God's word for a lie. So God says, eh, I'll give you over to your deprived mind. Let's go to verse twenty eight. says, furthermore, they, they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. He gave them over to a depraved mind. To do what ought not to be done. Listen, truth is relative. That statement is not true. The world is saying truth is situational. It's relative. It depends on where you are and what has happened. The Bible says it's absolute. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's nothing like, according to this situation, you must understand, I had to do this. And so so they, they are doing things that ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, god-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. Have, have you seen that? Inventing ways of doing evil. There's, there's, there's a show. Stop watching it. A Thousand Ways to Die. It's on the TVs. Have you seen that one? Now, don't go look at it because I've said it. I'm saying stop But all that it is, is people talking about different ways how you can die. What a way to spend your time. Instead of talking about different ways we can give life. You just know that here, God is out of the equation. So, slanderers, God haters, insolent, and so on, verse 31. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless although they know God's righteous decree decree that those who do such things deserve death they all not only continue to do these very things but also approve of those who practice them so it's not even enough for them to do what they do they actually approve of those who practice them and so paul who wrote this knew because he approved of the killing of christians he was there. He knew. Since he my mind was depraved, but he was very learned. It's possible to be very learned, but to be very wicked, to be ungodly, very possible. And that's why Paul says, "Of these, I was I was a chief sinner." So please do not approve of things that are against the will of the Lord. It's displeasing to Him. You are destroying people's minds. Don't approve of wickedness. But this is what the enemy is doing with our minds. Why? Because he hates the fact that you and I know God. He hates it. And he will do everything in his power to make sure that he foils things. So your mind is important. If Malawi is at war with one of its neighbors, guess where they will hit first? You hit power supply units, you, you hit food production chains because you want to paralyze the enemy. You always hit what is important. They will hit the barracks because they know this is where the enemy soldiers are coming from. The devil starts with the mind. Because he knows how far you go begins here. Okay. Your victory begins here. I gave an example here the other day about how Nigeria won a match before they even played it against Malawi. Simply because they had the trump card, JJ Okoja. And the people who are supposed to be encouraging the flames to go into this match, although they were underdogs, they were like, oh, you know, they have come with Okocha, but you know, ah, we'll, we'll make it, and so on. And they interview one of these players, and he says, hey, you know, it's an honor to play with Okocha. I knew we have lost this one. And the Nigerians played it well. They knew. There was a lot of talent in that team. It hadn't been together long, but they knew, ah, if we talk about tactics on the field, we'll lose it. So their battle was psychological. They won it before 2-1. I still remember. 2-1. We should have had that game. At least a draw. But they hit the mind first. And once you start respecting your opponents, you're gone. I mean, give them a healthy respect. But at least tell them, I may be the underdog. I'm not going down without a fight. So the enemy knows if he can only get you in the mind, the rest is easy. If you can only hit at the confidence of the people of Jericho, the rest is easy. No matter how good they were in battle, but seeing a wall that thick, that strong, just crumble because these people have shouted, you don't want to fight those people. Even if you're going to fight them, you're just saying, hey, what will he do now? He shouted, the wall came down. What, is, what else will he do? So their morale was gone. You see how it works? Let's look at the last question. How do we mind our mind? How do we guard our mind? Here is where the rubber meets the road. I wish I could tell you that it is easy. I wish I could tell you that, because it is not. But the rewards are far more valuable and beneficial, not only in this life, but in the life to come. You know there's a life to come, right? Okay. We'll spend eternity with God. So there are three things I want to share with you uh, before we close. Number one, how you guard your mind, number one. Prove God for yourself. Continuously. You need to know for yourself the character of God. For yourself. Know God for yourself. That even if somebody comes and say... Did God really? Already you say, the way I know God. The way I know God. This is not true. We're not having this discussion. There was one time I was, I was talking with some people about, uh, I think it was about time management and so on. And I was giving an example of a friend who is very I think, good with time management. And I said, this is what he does, this is what he does every day, and so on and so on. In college, if you wanted to see him, he gave you a time. If you missed that time, that's it. He had the time ta- his personal timetable on the door. If you go at a time when he is in his room studying and you want to talk, he will not talk with you. He will send you out. And so years later, somebody was saying, hey, but so the way they talk about time management and so on, I don't think he's realistic. And they said a lot of things. And I said, the way I know him, that what he says is true. Because I have personally proven him sending me out of the room. I think you remember. Yeah? Sending me out of the room, saying, now I am studying. come back at such such a time. And I used to think, this guy, what's wrong with him? All I need was about two minutes. But you know, I had personally proved that trait about him. You need to be able to say, the other day here, um, uh, Brother Amos was preaching and, and there was this verse he kept saying, God is faithful. The other translation he read, he said, he said, God can be trusted. You need to come to a place where you know that for yourself. Now, knowing is in different parts. We know God is faithful because Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 tells us God is faithful, among other verses. Okay? But then there is also the experiential knowledge. You have actually gone through it. Makes all the difference. Because when you know something experientially, it's imprinted in your mind that this is indeed true. If a baby duck hatches and you're the person around that duck within the five, first five minutes of his life, they tell us that the duck imprints on you that you are the parent. So where you go, that duck will go. There's a reason why the Bible says that after a man is married, he's not going to go to war for a whole year. So they found out that psychologically it takes about a year for a man and his wife who have just married to mesh together. The best line, about a year. You imprint that this is my wife. This is my husband. One year. Dark five minutes. I'm just giving this so that we, we we understand that you need to imprint in your life that God is faithful. And just as He brought you through in the past, He will get you through in the future. You prove that for yourself. You need to prove to yourself that God is good. No matter what happens to me, God is good. You need to imprint in your life that God will never leave me. God will never forsake me. Imprint it in your life that there is nothing that will separate me from the love of God. Romans chapter 8. For yourself. Hallelujah. And when we come into this place, we say, we know God will never leave us. We know God is faithful. We know God always provides. Imprint that in yourself. So that when somebody comes and says, Brother Muiza is such, 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 I'll be able to say, which Muiza? Maybe a different one. Because I know him for myself. Amen? Some of these things we shouldn't even be to but I'm, I'm saying this because the devil keeps coming and saying, did God really say? Is God like this? This God is God. Sometimes when you are beat up, you just need to hear somebody tell you, it will be well. God has not left you. Sometimes you need help from friends to tell you that it, it will be okay. God has not left you. Whatever is going to happen, I don't know. But one thing I do know, God has not left you. Keep on imprinting. Because when the enemy comes with a contrary voice, you say to yourself, uh uh-uh, not the way I know God. Amen? The Bible is true. Know that for yourself, that the Bible is true. Just recently, they found more Dead Sea Scrolls. They found new ones. Which are validating what has been written in here. No, God is faith. His word will never indeed pass away. So that's the first thing. Prove for yourself. Prove God for yourself. Continually experience the truth of God's word in your life. Stand up for the character of God, because he can be trusted. Number two, fortify your mind with His word. Fortify your mind with his word. It is easier said than done, but this is one of the wisest things that we can do as a people who are following God. What we put into our mind is what we grow on. Okay? What we put into our mind is what we grow on. It is what we take out in more ways than one. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks heart and mind same thing in in, in Bible times in Bible understanding. So why is this important to fortify your mind? Because you will be sanctified. You will be set apart. You will be distinguished before God for use in his kingdom. John chapter 17 verse 7 verse 17, 17, 17, it says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Truth. Whatever you have gone through in life, I want you to know, the more you look into the word of God, it washes you. Ephesians chapter 5, the word of God will wash you of all impurities of life. The the word of God gives you a a cleanness that you can't get anywhere else because it goes down into your soul and takes out all the filth, cleans it, fills it with the spirit of God. It's a great way to live. It's a great way to live. You will experience life the way God meant it to be. John chapter 6 verse 63. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. The more you fortify your mind with his word, the more life that God intended for you to have, you're going to get. Amen. You will reach a point where you say, only Jesus makes sense. You reach a point where you can say, I have resolved to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified because only he makes sense. You look into the word, you look into history, you look at God, God's faithfulness, you, you you come to you will come to that conclusion and say, only the word of God is the answer. Only the word of God gives life. Amen. Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers, what and sisters, whatever is true, you can repost it, you can forward it. Okay? Whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what do you do? You think about such things. Amen? So take time. The things that are excellent, think about it. Why am I having so much interest in what is excellent? It says in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Amen? So there's no way you can have the God of peace and not experience his peace. You want peace? Stay in the word of God. What you put into your mind determines who you become. There's, the, there's a friend, he's a die-hard Liverpool supporter. When I say die-hard, understand die-hard. Okay? He would literally die hard if he was accused of anything of Liverpool. The guy loves Liverpool. When he talks, Facebook page, what? Die-hard. So, a couple of days ago, apparently he has gone into shooting pool. His new game is pool. So, he wrote, he says, my new love is pool. And there was a picture of him there. So I messaged him. I said, you're lying to us. <laughs> you can never leave Liverpool. You can never leave Liverpool. And he was like, oh, I should have written that this is a side hustle. <laughs> but you know, when you are with him, the clothes he wears, Liverpool. Insignia, Liverpool. When Liverpool loses, I don't message him. He's kind of like one of those people. You just know it's raining over there. I'm not going to go there. It's what he puts in there, in his mind. Liverpool. 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 Then there are others. It's Chelsea. 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 Then there are others in Manu. 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 Closer to home. And you don't have to spend a lot of time with them before they start talking. There's, there's a brother we meet, we talk. Before long, he's talking about politics and parliament. He's an MP. That's what is going through his mind. And you will not take five minutes. Already he's talking about something and he's challenging on things and so on. And so on. That's what he's putting in there. As long as there are things that are excellent... Praise with you. True. Think about those things. And the peace of God will be with you. The one takeaway that I want you to have in this is learn to internalize the word of God for yourself. That one, even your pastors cannot do for you. You need to do it for yourself. I cannot come to your home and say, wake up, start reading the Bible and pray. You need to make a decision to do it for yourself and understand the benefits of doing so. Amen. You can't say I'll call pastor because sometimes I'm in a meeting. Sometimes I'm on another call. Amen. Amen. Sometimes I don't want your call. (laughs) (laughs) Jokes aside. The point is, do it for yourself. Get to know God's character for yourself, number one. Number two, get to internalize the word of God for yourself. Why? Because when the voice of the enemy comes, you are able to tell. Mm. No. This is not where I'm going. They tell us that when they teach uh, uh, the FBI... Uh, about counterfeit dollar notes. They don't spend time telling them what a fake dollar note looks like. Okay? They instead spend time telling them what the real thing looks like, the security features on that thing. Because if you know the real thing, anything that comes against that either should match up or you throw it out. Same principle. Know the real thing, the word of God. Because when the, the fake one comes and you reach that this standard, it won't stand. Hallelujah. It's a personal decision you need to make. And when all these personal decisions are made and we come into a place like this, we encourage each other even more. Because by the time the service ends, we leave, I tell you. We meet different things, each and every one of us. Some of you go back to jobs where you're thinking, I should leave. These people are not treating me wrong. Some of you will meet all sorts of things that, but because you've been with God's people and you've been encouraged, you keep going. And taking over, you know, I've got base camp. Amen? I've got base camp. You can hit me any other way you want, but I've got base camp. I will regroup. I will be back. Number three, put it into practice. Why? You need to prove the will of God as outlined in the scriptures. John chapter 7 verse 17 tells us anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Prove it for yourself. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. That's what Jesus is saying. Prove it for yourself. Take my word, put it into practice in your life, and you will prove. You will find out whether I'm just saying these things, or they are indeed true. So, we have got a decision to make. Either Jesus is lying to us, or he knows exactly what he's talking about. So, prove the will of God, according to the scriptures. Experience the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Put it into practice and see if you not get peace for having done the will of God, for having obeyed what God wants us to to obey. James chapter 1 verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who... Who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Happened to me this morning. I went in front of the mirror, took my hairbrush, brushed it, and left. I came here and I went to my wife and said, Did I brush my hair? He said, You're worried about nothing. I thought, hmm. So I went to my daughter, I said, Did I brush my hair? I said, You're worried about nothing. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> But most of us read the word of God like this. We read it and we forget what we have read. It has no impact in our lives. The challenge James is giving us is that we should look into this perfect law and then after that, do it. Amen? You grow in your oneness with God as you renew your mind. According to the word of God. The picture is this in John chapter 15 verse 7. He is the vine. He is the the, the trunk of the tree. You and I are branches. Okay? Everything we are comes from him. And we are expected to bear fruit. Okay? If you are the branch that decides to cut yourself away from the trunk, you're dead. Is that simple? You You are not... You are futile, you are unproductive, you are not fruitful, you are not effective. The more you get from the trunk, the nutrients from the trunk, the more you will be fruitful. Especially when you put it into practice. So when you say you love your wife, put it into practice. Hallelujah. When you say you love the kingdom of God, put it into practice. Amen. Amen. So those are the three things that I thought I should share about how we should um, mind our mind or guard our minds. Prove God for yourself, fortify your mind with his word, and then put it into practice. So when these things come and they say this, you are able to tell, "Uh uh-uh, this is not for me. This is not for me. And the more you go into the word of God, the more you prove what God's will is. Amen? The enemy's onslaught is real. Relentless and seeks to open every opportunity. The Lord has not left us powerless. He hasn't. Everything we need to keep our minds guarded has been given to us. The line is the word of God. That's ground zero. Amen? It's the word of God. When we encourage personal Bible study, when we say attend CHF, or when we say, come to church to pray. Just come to church and be in the fellowship of the religion. This is what we want you to experience. What we want you to become. And, and I have KIC. in KICC, you are given the freedom to, to, to go as deep as you can in the word of God. And pursue your purpose as far as you can. Amen? You have that liberty to develop your gifts. As far as you can. The question I have for us is this. How committed are you to internalizing and putting it into practice? Because it takes work. You cannot be lazy and prosperous at the same time. You need to pick a side. Even somebody who is broke. They can choose not to be lazy and things will change for them. So, how committed are you? To internalizing the word of God. I'm not asking you to read it in a year. I'm just saying internalize the word of God. You know, if you don't pick a side and put work into it. This year of taking over, by the time we are at the end, you will be wondering where you missed it. And it was there all along. So, mind your mind with the word of God. Amen? And you'll experience the peace of God. You'll get to prove what the word of God is, what the will of God is for your life. God will change you. God will give you an attitude befitting a champion worth to go out and take territories. It's here. And time does not permit us for testimonies. But this is the truth of God's word. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word to us. We are encouraging us to mind what we put into our minds. Because out of our hearts will will spring the issues of life. And we want to be a people who are so aware of your spirit... We want to be a people who are so aware of of your word. Who are so aware of your character. That we speak the words of life to those that need to hear it in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us, O God, to be able to discern when the enemy is chipping away at your character. Chipping away at your word. Give us that discernment to notice it and to go against it in the name of Jesus. I pray, O oh God, every mind in this room, every mind hearing this message will be reactivated by your spirit to stay in tune that our minds do not become futile. They don't come, become depraved but they become minds that are set on doing things that will bring glory and honor to your name for it is in the mighty name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Our prayer is that God has spoken to your heart. Be blessed in this week.